welcome to some thoughts about heaven and um i hope that you're um, excited about going there about being there in your future you know um in life as we prepare to go to another location destination whether it be for a holiday a relocation or whatever we generally research that we'll get on google get on the internet and we'll check like what it looks like or what supposedly supposedly it looks like what life's like there we'll check all those things to see how we think we're going to manage and, and, and cope there when we arrive but we're never going to know what it's like until we're actually there and until we start to experience it and so the bible tells us some things about heaven, but in other areas, the, the Bible leaves is sort of vague or un, open to your open to your own thinking, or um, you, you can have a little research and try and discover what it may be like or how that may work in heaven. So some things we know, some things we don't know. What we do know is that um, there, there's great rejoicing in heaven over the salvation of a soul. In, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, we, we read of the um, the shepherd having 100 sheep, and he loses one sheep, and he leaves the 99, he goes out after that one sheep, and when he finds that one sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, brings it back, and he tells his friends, come, celebrate with me, rejoice with me. The, the sheep that I lost has been found, and so the implication there, the inference is that um, when a soul is comes comes to Christ and salvation, there's great rejoicing. And that's exactly what the text tells us, that when a soul repents of sin, there's rejoicing over that sinner coming to repentance in, in heaven, which is an amazing thing, a good thing. And that leads us to an appreciation of that we, we're all individuals, we're all important, and we all have unique uh, characteristics to us. We have a unique DNA. You're you, I'm me, and we're different, and we're always different from everybody else. And the Lord has blessed us with all of that, he's given us um, memories to, to um, think about and to expand and understand. So he gives us this understanding, and we're currently to prepare that and develop that, because we're going to use that in the future in heaven. You see, in heaven, part of our responsibility as God's redeemed will be that of overseeing angelic activity. I wonder, did you know that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 to 3, here's what we read. There any of you, says Paul, having a matter against another, so he's speaking about legal issues here, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. He says, try and keep this away from the world if you have these issues. Do, not, do you not know, he continues, uh, that the saints will judge the world, which is why he wants to keep these matters away from the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? And then in verse 3, he says this, do you not know that we shall judge angels? That's our responsibility. Did you not know that we're going to judge angelic beings? It seems that part of the reason for this judgment is because these angel beings are actually looking after us, overseeing us, protecting us as believers as we live here in this earth uh, currently today. We read in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, uh, see to it that you don't despise any of these little ones as the children, because I tell you that in heaven, dirty angels continually view the face of my father in heaven so they're they're protectors they're overseers they're angelic beings that are looking after them they're continually before my father so if you mistreat them you're going to be in trouble it's a serious it's a serious thing it seems from early in life angelic beings have been protecting us looking after us and in heaven we're going to get to meet these servants who have looked after us so faithfully so i want to suggest that Part of what the angels have been protecting in life as you walk through life in this journey is your very identity. That is, they've been encouraging you to live your identity as a believer who loves Jesus, who follows him, who's been redeemed by him, who believes in his word, who stands up for him. Your identity as a believer is what they want 
you to retain and stand strong in. And part of the reason for that is because that when you get to heaven, you're going to have a change of name. You see, your, your name will be called out from the Lamb's Book of Life because that's the evidence that you belong to Jesus. So we know that from the Bible, but we also read then in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, uh, that when we're there, I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So the Lord's going to give you this stone. There's going to be a name on it, which is your name. It seems like a, a unique relationship between you and Jesus, because he loves you so much, and you're so special to him. Perhaps another question, then, as we enter into our heavenly home is, what are we going to look like? Will I look like me? Will you look like you? Will we recognize one another? I'm with our eternal bodies being free from sin and having returned to, if you want, a lifestyle before the fall, we can be sure that these bodies will be very different. Um, Randy Alcorn uh, writes this, uh, suggests this. He says, our new bodies, I expect, will have a natural beauty that won't need cosmetics or touch-ups. As for fat, uh, because God created fat as part of our bodies, we'll surely have some, but in healthy proportion. Now, that's good news. If you're going to have fat, it's going to be okay, but in healthy proportion, because your new body is made in such a way. Alcorn goes on to suggest that if we were to see Adam and Eve, as they were in the Garden of Eden, their beauty would be breathtaking to us, because it was perfection. After all, the most beautiful person that any of us has ever seen in this life is someone living under the curse of sin. Well, we've never seen that beautiful, pure, holy being that Adam and Eve were before the fall in, in the Garden of Eden. So what it seems that we can be uh, confident to expect is that our new bodies will never be troubled by sin, our sickness, our weakness. Uh, and with our bodies, we're actually going to be like Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So we know that Jesus had the ability to uh, walk through a door if you want. Um, that, that was the door was locked. We read that in John 20, verse 19. And also he was able to disappear, as was the case with his two disciples on the road to a mess in Luke 24, 31. So he was with them and then he left them, he disappeared before them. So it may be that we have those type of abilities. We don't know, but we can so we get the, the directive if we're going to be like Jesus. There's no reason to think that we wouldn't have such abilities. Another question that um concerns some believers is that of uh, gender. Many people are troubled by Paul's comments in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where he says, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, uh, male or female, since you're all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so with him saying there's no, he sort of suggests there's no male or female, but there's no reason to, biblical reason if you want to think that you would lose your gender at entering heaven. Remember, your gender is a major part of who you are in Christ. You're redeemed today as the person you are. So that's who Jesus has taken to heaven. So there's no reason to think that that would be taken from you or that that would be transformed or changed dramatically when you get to heaven. If you're going to be you and I'm going to be me and we're going to recognize each other, we have to recognize as we are, uh, who we are, and so on. So other people seem to be concerned about what sort of clothing will we wear in heaven? Um, for example, we read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 4, you have a few people in Sardis who have 
not defile their clothes, they remain faithful to you and true, and they walk with me in white because they are worthy. And this, along with some other verses, has led people to think that we will wear all white clothing in heaven. Another text even referred to us wearing white robes, if you want. And so for us in the West, that's a different thing entirely. I've never worn a robe. Don't think about wearing a robe. But, you know, many cultures, that's very acceptable, very um, expected, in fact. So it may be that we wear robes in heaven. We need to be prepared for that, but they'll be very comfortably perfect in every way. But because we're going to be kings and priests in heaven, uh, we may even wear some sort of priestly attire, which you can read about in Exodus 28 if you want to uh, spend some time there. But whatever we do wear, uh, we can be assured it's going to be suitable and it's going to be super comfortable if you want. It's going to be richer and better and more comfortable than Gucci, Armani, Louis Vuitton, any such brands that, that we have here in this earth. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be wonderful. But if you, I wonder if you ever thought to yourself too, wait a minute, how old am I going to be in heaven? Um, will I be seven years old? Will I go back in time? Because after all, seven is the number of perfection. Will I be um, perhaps 40 years old in heaven? Because remember, the Lord spent 40 days in the wilderness. So maybe that's an indicator as to how old we're going to be in heaven. Um, theologian Alistair McGrath, he suggests that we'll be 30 years old in heaven because 30 is the age when we're sort of in our prime, when our, our thoughts are matured, we're really thinking we've got all the energy we need, and therefore that he suggests that's the age we'll, we'll actually be by which God is glorified. However, uh, the ancient theologian Thomas Aquinas saw quite differently. He suggests that we will be more of a, a youthful age in heaven. Um, but here's the thing about it all. Whatever age we're going to be in heaven, how old we're going to be in heaven, whatever we're going to look like in heaven, we can be certain that we will please and glorify God. And that's the reason we're there. It's not about us. It's all about him. So we want to bring glory to him. So we're going to be perfect in every way, um, serving him, honoring him, and we'll be set in, in that um, standing, if you want, whilst we're in heaven. Now, what about what sort of food will we eat in heaven? I mean, food's a big thing here on the earth, and uh, we, we can be certain there's going to be food in heaven. In Luke 14, we read of the Lord preparing a banquet, and he, he tells his disciples to go and get the people because others wouldn't come. So he sends them out to the highways, the byways. He tells, bring the people in because I want to have this banquet, and it's going to be a celebration of who I am and what we're about. Um, and that gives us a picture of a, a heavenly banquet, a heavenly celebration. And in verse 15 of um, Luke 14, the guest who sit, who's seated beside Jesus um, at the table says this to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So we know there's going to be food there. We know there's going to be bread there. We know there's going to be um, sort of um, good types of enjoyable food. We're even going to drink, if you want, from the um, the spring of the water of life, according to Revelation 21, verse 6. And Revelation 22, verse 2 tells us that we're going to eat the fruit from quality fruit trees that have never been tasted this on this earth before. We're never going to have, we've never tasted anything like this. Perhaps our food now currently is bland in comparison. Isaiah tells us in, in Isaiah 25, verse 6, that we can expect to drink fine vintage wine there and so on. So we get that. But I wonder with all of that, is it possible there might be coffee in heaven? You ever thought about that? We don't know. But listen to this. As you sit in your front porch of your heavenly home, sipping your fine wine and your, or your long black topped up with the water of life and your fruit, fruit platter sitting beside you, wearing all of your heavenly robes of eternal quality, you will be living as a student of God's truth. You're going to be someone who's 
thinking, studying, developing, understanding God. You may have heard it said, or you may have even said it, when we get to heaven, we'll know everything. Well, Paul tells us that currently we do not see things clearly or fully, but we will see them uh, fully in the future. His text in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 uses two Greek words that are very important. Uh, he uses the word gnosko, an epigonosco. And the prefix epi means to know in a full, complete manner. And gnosko meaning knowledge, understanding. So we're going to have this full, complete knowledge, understanding when we get to heaven. However, when this word is used in reference to people, it never suggests full or absolute knowledge. But in heaven, we're going to be in that position, a different position, and we're going to have a fuller, more complete knowledge. Theologian Wayne Grudem um, encourages us by saying that um, when we get to heaven, we'll understand things in a, a fuller way, but not necessarily in a comprehensive way. We will know God more fully, but we will not perhaps know God exhaustively because we're going to be learning and discovering continually fresh things about our God. So to help us appreciate this, I want us then to look at the angels. They've been with God. They've served him from before the foundation of the world, yet they, they long to have this greater knowledge, this greater understanding. We read in um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, of the angels having this desire to catch a glimpse of the truths that have been revealed to us, the church, that perhaps we feel like we don't understand this, we're struggling, but we need to be students of the word, really coming before him, uh, getting into the word and discovering what he said. The godly Jonathan Edwards once said this, the saints will be progressive in knowledge to all eternity. The number of ideas of the saints shall increase forever. We're going to continue with our knowledge and our understanding. So I want to suggest that we will forever continue learning in heaven. Remember, it was God who gave each of us a hunger of learning and knowledge. Yet it was Satan who took that and twisted it and deceived us in it. And he, in many senses, he's, he's dwarfed our longing uh, to learn about God. He's hindered us and we, we get tired, we get lazy, whatever, but we don't have that hunger perhaps that we will have when we get to heaven. But it seems at the time of death, we will enter heaven with that, uh, with a certain amount of knowledge that we've gleaned here on earth. But throughout eternity, God will correct whatever it is that we've got wrong and we'll be we will most probably continue to he'll probably most continue to reveal new truths and fresh understanding to us so the knowledge we have he'll take and he'll he'll develop that in, in the truth uh, which will be wonderful and amazing so our eternal minds will be growing and developing and we'll have this intensified desire to learn more and more and more and more about our great god about our savior about our salvation about glorifying him perhaps the angels will even be our our, our educators in heaven but with all that, let's get really blunt and direct. You know, as we live here currently, church can be incredibly dull, even perhaps boring. And for many of us, we've gone to church for years and we, we, we've enjoyed the worship. We've enjoyed the fellowship. We've enjoyed catching up with friends. We, we've even enjoyed the mission emphasis of the church. But the message, the, the preaching, well, that's been dry. That's been dull. It's been tough. It's been boring. And, um, and difficult to understand. Really, we've struggled with it. Well, in heaven, I think that we can be confident it's not going to be like that. Um, as, the, as we study the doctrine of God, we're going to be completely enthused and taken by such, de such desires. We'll find ourselves conversing with other great persons who have 
understood so much more than us, perhaps people maybe like um, C.H. Spurgeon will sit with him, will talk with him about what it was like to, to understand these great deep truths of the Bible. Maybe we'll talk with John Calvin about, uh, discuss the, the love of God for the believer. Maybe we'll sit with Francis Schaeffer or A.W. Tozer or, or John Milton to attempt to glean their understanding of the God whom they, they represented on earth and they're now in his presence and what they currently think when they're in his presence in this living and discovering this fuller way. Pastor Sam Storms helps us here. He suggests that our, our current lifestyle as we live in preparation for our heavenly home is, is, is this. What we do now is not discarded once we enter eternity. What we learn now is not erased in heaven. What we experience in joy and understanding and insight now is not destroyed, but is the foundation on which all our eternal experience and growth is based. So from this, we grow and we develop and we mature. Uh, those believers that we mentioned are they're the servants of God who have faithfully lived and preached God's truth as declared in the 66 books that make up the Bible over centuries uh, but I love the words of, of the psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 89 with regard to the eternality of the Bible he says your word O Lord is eternal it stands firm in the heavens and Jesus himself said this in Matthew 24 35 heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away my words are eternal they're going to remain I think that in heaven you know you and I can be confident that God is going to glorify himself and do amazing things there so in heaven I want you to recognize that you're going to be yourself you will be recognizable so you'll look somewhat like you you will have a new body uh, be free from sin and sickness. You will wear heavenly garments and they'll be incredibly comfortable. You will be the perfect age and um, you will enjoy good food. You'll celebrate in that sense. You will be the perfect student wanting to learn, wanting to grow. And in all of that, you will glorify God and you will get to know him more fully as we suggested. So that's a few thoughts in heaven. They're thoughts. Take them think about them, research, pray, and get excited about going to heaven to be with him. Thanks for listening. Look forward to catching you next week again. Stay blessed.